Welcome everyone to I Love Summer. Here at Believing, this really is one of our favorite seasons of the year. The season that we call I Love Summer because at Believing, this is how we do summer. And we do summer this way because it's summer. Did you get it? Now, now some of you may, may not be able to join us physically in person, may have never been to our physical location, but when we say we love summer, it really is a play on words. Like, yes, we love the season that we're stepping into. If you've got kids, more than likely here in the next few days, if not already, they will be winding up the school year and, uh, and stepping into summertime, right? If you're in college or, or you've got university students or, or maybe you, you know that you have just wrapped up, graduation season has just ended, people have celebrated, you're getting ready for the summer season. The season is changing. If you walk outside, it's getting hotter. Yes, it is. Things are starting to grow. It's getting warm. It's going to get real warm before too long. Summer is here. And there's a change in the season. But we don't just say, I love summer because of a season. I mean, a season is great and it has merit. And in fact, on part two of I love summer, I'm going to lean into why the season is so significant. But we also say that we love summer because physically, our physical location of our church, where we record, where we share, where we serve, where we preach, where we host services, classes, all of this is on a street here in Memphis called Summer Avenue. That's right. And so when we say we love summer, we say we love the season, but we're also saying we love our neighborhood. We love our street. We love the place that God's called us, the place that he's. And so I want to help you in this little two part series, because this theme that is I love summer is way more than just a series. Although for part one and part two, it will be a series. It'll be a little two step, if you will, where I want to help you get why we say I love summer. So that all that goes on with I Love Summer, from free t-shirts, and yes, we got free t-shirts for you. If you're joining us online, even if you're listening to the podcast, listen, there is an opportunity for you to be able to get free t-shirts. Yes, you can always get one if you come by in person, but there is a link in the chat right now at Church Online where you can get one for free. We will send it to you. We'd love to. We'd love for you to wear that t-shirt that says I Love Summer, but it's about more than t-shirts. It's about more than events and schedule and opportunity and all this. And so we want to take, before we dive fully into it, a moment or two and help us to get why this is so significant. See, because it's about more than this play on words. It's about more than all this kind of stuff. For us as a church, it's literally us turning everything we do upside down for this season. To lean into the vibe that is summer, but also to to demonstrate in tangible, powerful ways the love that we have for the place that God's called us to. And so if you're curious what's going on with I Love Summer, I'd love for you right now to head to our website at believing.church. And there in multiple places, you will see a banner that says, I love summer. You'll see it in the what's going on. You'll see it in a way to get involved. You'll see it right at the top of the website. And if you click on that, it will take you to our I love summer page that will just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling because there is sort of the central hub for everything going on this summer at Believing through I love summer. There's information about our services. 
There's information about our service opportunities. We have so many ways for you to be able to serve and make a difference this summer. Opportunities where we're just gonna have fun together. Details about special nights that are gonna go on, our prayer nights this summer, our worship night. Opportunities for leaders to come together, leaders to, to, to grow, leaders to be found and for you to step into leadership in the church. So many opportunities. It is all on there right now at Believing.Church. I would love for you, literally, if you're not doing it right now, before this day ends that you're listening to this, that you're watching this, head to Believing.Church. Begin to look. You can go ahead and sign up for those things that need to be signed up. There are opportunities to man, gather with people and eat. There are opportunities to serve. All of it's spelled out on there. You can sign up, connect to every single piece of it right now at Believing.Church. Some of you hear this, and maybe you've been to church before in the summer, and you know that, quite honestly, what's begun to happen in America as a whole in the summer is for whatever reason, churches tend to slow down. They tend to um, take their foot off the gas. They tend to do less and sort of just operate as slow as possible. That's not us. No, it's summertime. And because it's summer, we believe it's time to turn up. We believe it's time to lean in, to serve more, to give more, to share more, to care even more. And so that's what we're going to do. And today, I want you to understand and I want you to grasp and I want you to get why that is the case. And so I'm going to turn our attention for a few moments to the scriptures because this calling to love summer, I believe, is so much bigger than us. I believe it's bigger than me. I believe it's bigger than you. I believe this is God's call. I believe this is Jesus's commission to all of us concerning how we are to go about living, our, how we are to go about caring for our communities, how we are to go about leaning into the place that God has put us in. And so we're going to do that today, studying God's word. If you're ready, somebody in the chat, just type, I'm ready. Today we are going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 10 specifically. And as we read the scripture today, for those of you just listening to me read it, or for those of you who are watching it there on the screen, it may sound a little unique to you as you hear it. Today I've taken our text from a particular translation of the scripture known as the message translation. Because I believe, at least for our purposes today, it brings so much life to what it is we are going to be studying together. The message translation was uh, put together over the course of many, many years by a pastor and New Testament scholar by the name of Eugene Peterson, who had really become very disheartened um, with the state of people reading God's word in the church, particularly his church, particularly men. And so he took it upon himself to begin to translate the scripture into a way that people just talk and to lean into the original languages because he was he was brilliant and, and was able to understand all this, but to communicate what was being said in a more conversational, more natural way. And I think there's some power to it, particularly as we dive into this, this mission that God has called us to personally, collectively, but also wherever you may find yourself in life, this is God's mission for you. 
And so Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 10, this is the way we're going to go. Here's the way it reads, again, from the message translation of the scripture. It says, Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You've been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you need to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. All you need to keep that going is three meals a day. So travel light. I told you it sounded a little different, but it speaks to this challenge, this calling from Jesus to his disciples, but also to us, his disciples on today. See, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is commissioning his disciples to go and to do ministry. He is literally telling them his final instructions right before he's about to send them out to go do the work of the ministry. And as we look at this scripture, as we lean into this charge that he gives, I really believe it's worth noting what he tells them to do, but also what he tells them not to do. He tells them some things you absolutely need to do. You need to be about this, but he also takes time to say, hey, don't do this. Don't do that this way. Because he knows that if he didn't tell them what not to do, what they think to do ain't what needs to be done by them now. And the reason this is so important for you and for me is the inclinations that he tells them to don't lean into. We need to be told not to lean into, too, because for a lot of us, there are knee jerk reactions. For a lot of us, this is what we find ourselves doing, regardless of whether we should do it or not. We trying to do good things in the name of God. But sometimes the things that we do in the name of God aren't the thing that Jesus would say, this is what I want you to do now. This is what I want you to do first. I want you to lean in here. And so Jesus tells them what not to do and what to do. And I believe as he tells them what not to do and what to do, he's telling us what not to do and what to do as we walk into the season that is I love summer, but also as we walk into every season of our life concerning doing ministry for the Lord concerning being concerned about the people around us, being sent out as his ambassadors, making an appeal to all people on his behalf. So today I want to draw your attention to what Jesus tells them and to what he tells us. To what Jesus tells them, hey, you need to be about this, and to what Jesus tells us, hey, you need to be about this too. What Jesus tells them, don't, don't do this, don't worry about this, and what he tells us, don't do this. Don't worry about us. Because if we're going to be people who live out what it means to say, I love summer, we've got to catch the heart of all of this as Jesus sends us out in this season. So what's the first thing he says? Well, he says this. You can write it down because I want to make it even clearer for you and for me. You want to love summer? You want to be someone consumed with his mission? Then don't go get your passport. Come on, write that in your notes. <laughs> Don't go get your passport. Remember, he tells them what to do and what not to do. And one of the things he tells them not to do is don't go get your passport. This is the way he starts. He says, don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. 
Don't make your first move the need to run and leave and go somewhere different and go somewhere foreign in order to make a difference. He says, don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. Now, this is not Jesus diminishing the work of traveling to a far off place to convert folk. But this is him pushing back against our natural inclination to overlook where we are. You know, because a lot of people operate, maybe even you do, with what I would call a mission trip mindset. We have this way of thinking that is uh, all about it if I leave here. Wherever here is, here may be your neighborhood, here may be your school, here may be where you grew up, here may be our city, here may be Summer Avenue, here may be a different street for you from wherever you're listening or watching this at. But wherever here is, we have this inclination that I'll do whatever God wants me to do if I leave here. But we're often unwilling to do that, to be that, to serve here. Why do we believe that doing God's work in another country is more significant than doing God's work in our city? Why is it that we believe that? Because... Here's what's true, friend. Most of us do. Most of us, if I could pour truth serum into you and get what's really true, if you would be honest enough, there's something in you that believes if I were to leave where I'm at and go somewhere else, then I'm really doing God's work. If I'm in another state, if I'm in another city, if I'm in another country, if I put my foot on another continent, then I'm really doing God's work. Why do we believe that? Why do we believe that when there, everything that is there is also here? Because people will say, well, I'm going there because, because I'm going to reach lost people. Newsflash, <laughs> there are lost people here. There are lost people in your class. There are lost people in your company. There are lost people on your street. There are lost people in your subdivision. There are lost people here. But why do we feel like it's better, it's greater, it's more significant if I go somewhere else? We say, well, oh, well, you know, the spiritual needs there, the financial needs there, the relational needs there. Mm -hmm. There are spiritual needs here in our city, in our communities, on our streets. There are financial needs here. There are people who do not know where their next meal is coming from here. There are people who do not know how they're going to make it through another month here. There are relational needs here. There are lonely people here. There are hurting people here. There are distraught people here. There's work to be done here, but yet somewhere along the way, we started to believe that our work is really significant if we go somewhere else. Jesus didn't believe that. Jesus said, don't begin by traveling to some far off place. He's literally sending out his disciples to do his work. And he tells them, don't begin by running far away. Maybe another way he would say it is this to you and to me. Don't go there if you won't start here. Don't go there, wherever there may be, that country, that city. That other place. No, 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 don't go there if you won't start here. Jesus literally told his disciples to start here. He told them to push down the urge to leave to make a difference and to do something right here in the neighborhood. 
to roll up your sleeves, to look around the street that I've placed you on and do something here. You know, I find something very interesting about our church. Believing is known in our city among many, many people like city officials, business leaders, churches, people like is known as a as a place and as a people who do good work here. I mean, literally, we have businesses contact us that say, hey, we want to make a difference. Can you tell us how? Can you show us how? We want to partner with you. We want to resource you. We want to send people to do your thing. Can you help us make a difference? We know you know how. Help us. But you know what I find really interesting about even that? And I'm grateful for that. Our church has never formally taken a mission trip, as they call it. We have never packed up people on a plane in uh, brightly colored matching t-shirts to go to some other city or some other country and, and, and do real mission work. But yet somehow when people think about people making a difference, when somehow when people think about people being on mission, they, they think about a place that hasn't even taken a mission trip. I think it's because this heart from Jesus has been so woven into the fabric of who we are. We are here for good. God put us here to do work here. That doesn't mean we won't someday go some other place. That doesn't mean we won't someday serve some other city, serve in some other country. God willing, we will. But Jesus made it painstakingly clear. He said, don't begin. When you get started, don't think your start is to run away from where you are to do something. Start here. Somebody in that chat type, start here. Why did he tell them to start here? Because if you are willing to serve there and unwilling to serve here. You're not interested in serving. You're interested in sightseeing. If you are willing to serve there, if they will put you on a plane and you say, I'll serve, I'll give a week, I'll give two weeks, I'll give a day, I'll serve, I'll be a blessing to the people of South America. I will do all I can for that Asian country. I will, I will, I will take off weeks to serve in Europe, weeks to serve in Africa. There is nothing wrong with any of that. But if you are willing to serve there and unwilling to serve here, you are not interested in serving. This may mess with you. It may bother you. It may, it, it may poke holes into your mission trip thinking. But you're not interested in serving if you'll serve there and not here. You're interested in sightseeing. Because let me tell you, as somebody who's been on many missions trips in my life, there's a lot of sightseeing involved, and rightfully so. Man, if you travel two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight thousand miles away, you ought to see some sites. You ought to see some villages and some neighborhoods and see some cities that you ain't never seen before. You ought to eat some food you ain't never tried before. You ought to be able to interact with culture. And it's a wonderful experience. It is a beautiful thing. I mean, some of the nicest hotels I've ever stayed in in my life, I stayed in when I was on a missions trip. Some of the best meals I've ever eaten in my life, I ate while I was on a missions trip. <laughs> it's true. There's nothing wrong with it. But I think sometimes we, we are not honest enough to say what's really true. What's really true is this. 
If you are willing to serve there and unwilling to serve here, your interest is not in serving. Your interest is in sightseeing. And you've already seen the sights in your own neighborhood. You live here. You work here. You, you've been here your whole life. So maybe your interest has less to do with serving and more to do with sightseeing. And Jesus says, you've got the wrong interest. Don't begin by going to some far off place to convert unbelievers. You start right here in the neighborhood. Don't go get your passport. It's his warning to them. And then he gives them another warning. Would you write this down? He doesn't just tell them, don't go get your passport. He also tells them, don't go chasing cameras. Mm-hmm. He says, don't go chasing cameras. Did you miss that in the text? He says, don't begin by going to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic, he says, by tackling some public official or some major nuisance in the community. It's funny to me how ready some people are to serve if there's going to be publicity or notoriety around Jesus made a statement in another place and he says, when you're helping somebody, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't go chasing cameras. See, there are way too many people in the name of service, in the name of making a difference, in the name of trying to help out, in the name of all these things that they say, but they won't do. See, there are too many people that will stand in front of a camera and say they are standing against hunger, but they ain't fed one hungry person in life. Jesus would say, miss me with that. Miss me with your, I'm going to tell you what I think, but I ain't going to do nothing about it. See, this may be a little too personal, but I ain't naming names on none of this. But I will tell you the truth. I know more than a few organizations that wanted to feed people and wanted to get notoriety for feeding people when the food they were feeding people is free. See, some of you don't know this, but back in 2020, when, when people were safer at home and locked at home and all this kind of stuff, you could actually partner with the Mid-South Food Bank and the Mid-South Food Bank would give you food for free. They just wanted you to distribute it because people were just trying to take care of people's needs because, I mean, people were locked down, people were out of work, there was all this stuff going on. I know more than a few organizations who think it is crazy the way we serve people food for free still. They think it's crazy because of the amount of work it takes, because of the amount of money it costs. And I've talked with them because I know, I know the leaders. I know people, like, they, they, they call me. I call them like we interact. They say it's wild. And I say, why don't, you, why don't you still do it? The need is still there. They say, we know the need is still there, but the food's not free anymore. Don't go chasing cameras. See, I know more than a few activists who only want to activate when the local news is present. The only time they got something to say, the only time they got work to do, the only time they got mission, the only time they're up late, up early, working all day, is when, is when there's a camera around who can communicate for them their involvement in what they're involved in. Jesus said, don't go chasing cameras. I know more than a few servers who only want to serve when there's an incentive in it for them. Are you going to give me something? You going to celebrate me? I'm going to get us something for doing this? Okay, sign me up. Oh, there ain't nothing. Well, you know what? I ain't feel, I'm, I'm a little busy right now. I ain't feeling all that right now. Don't go chasing cameras. I know some of you feel that TLC vibes. You're like, waterfalls. No, listen. Don't go chasing 
cameras. Because if you need notoriety to do for God, you're getting all the notoriety you ever will. If you need somebody to clap for you, to pat you on the back, to celebrate you, to publish articles about you, to tell stories about you, to share on social the great work that you're doing, you are getting all the notoriety here and now that you will ever get. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't be dramatic, Jesus said. Because when you do that, they may know your name. But the reason why we do what we do is not so they would know your name or mine. It's all about Jesus. It's all about pointing people to his great name. It's all about letting people know the one who loves them, the one who gave himself for them, the one who gives us reason, gives us meaning, gives us purpose to be able to go and serve. So don't go chasing cameras. Don't go get your passport. But Jesus says this, you can write this down. Start with where you are. Wherever you may find yourself, whatever the neighborhood, whatever the city, whatever the street. Can I tell you, that's why we say we love summer, because we are going to start with where we are. Jesus said in the way we read it, go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Lost and confused people right here in the neighborhood. Now, don't say any names. Don't put them in the chat. But y'all know any lost, confused folk in your neighborhood? Y'all know any lost, confused folk right in your household? Right in your family? Right in your class? Right in your company? Uh, start there. Start with where you are. Don't begin by running far away, Jesus says. Don't overlook where you are, but start here. Start here. Start here, even though it may seem like not the normal thing to do. Start here, even though it may not be the celebrated thing to do. Start here. Why? Because opportunities to serve are endless here. Opportunities to serve right here are endless. Can I tell you something? Friend? There are not fewer needs in our neighborhood. They just look different here. There are financial needs in our neighborhoods. There are educational needs in our neighborhoods. There are spiritual needs in our neighborhoods. You don't have to leave your city. You don't have to leave our city to find them. Some of you are like, I know. I be watching the news. I be following the news on Twitter. I'm familiar about all the needs. I know. The opportunities are endless here. You say, and that's the problem. They're endless. It's so easy when you are somewhere to get overwhelmed by the enormity of the needs, then become paralyzed and do nothing. But Jesus says, start right here. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Go to them because the opportunities to serve, they are endless here. And you need to realize that the opportunities to serve here, well, they're, they're hidden here. So I think part of the reason we feel so motivated when we go to another city or go to another country, go to another continent, is because the needs jump out at us in a way that they don't jump out here. Not because the needs are more present in another place than they are here, but the needs are more obvious to us in another place. Because we grow numb to the needs in our own neck of the woods.
We get used to it. In fact, we even categorically say stuff because we see a guy who's homeless and we, in our neighborhood, predisposed, that's the way he's always going to be. That's the homeless guy. Our heart breaks for it when we're in another country. We're like, can you believe that there are people living out on the street? But we are used to him standing on that corner. We are used to seeing him sitting up under that stoop in our neighborhood. Opportunities to serve are hidden here because we're used to calling that school bad. It's just a bad school. What's bad about it? The building? The, the, the location? The teachers? The children? What is bad? But we say these things, and as we say these things, what we do is we disguise our own thinking from seeing the problems, and they become hidden to us. We're used to that street being filled with trash. We're used to calling that neighborhood a dangerous neighborhood. We're used to saying that kid, well, that kid is just hungry. That kid's going to always be hungry. Do you know how they're growing up? Friend, these are opportunities, opportunities to serve, opportunities to roll up our sleeves, opportunities to make a difference. And they are not somewhere else. They are right here. But you have to recognize that the opportunities to serve are hidden here. You ain't always going to see them because they're hiding in plain sight. But Jesus says, start with where you are. There's another reason we don't. And that's because the opportunities to serve are prejudged here. We prejudge people in our own neighborhood because we know the stereotypes here that we don't know about there. You go to another country and you just see need and you call it need. In your own neighborhood, you see need and you call it whatever you have stereotypically put on that need. I don't know what you call it, but it seems to me that whatever you're calling it, if you're not calling it what it actually is, see, what we do is we try to talk ourselves out of getting involved in it and say, well, I don't want to waste money. Or do you know what they would spit, do with that if I were to help them out? Or if, if we gave that to them or if we provided a place or we got involved in that school, it's not going to change. And so we're going to be prudent. That's the word we use. We're going to be prudent with our resources. I'm going to be prudent with my time. I'm going to be prudent with my money. No, that doesn't sound like prudence to me. That sounds like prejudice. Prejudge. There are opportunities all around us. Opportunities all throughout our city to serve. And Jesus is calling you. He's calling me. That's part of why we do what we do with I Love Summer is we are leaning into the needs that are right here because Jesus told us to start with where you are. But you have to realize that the opportunities are endless here and the opportunities are hidden here, but the opportunities are prejudged here. And you have to push down some of that prejudgment in order to do the thing God called you to do. But there's another thing you have to push down. And it's the reality that opportunities to serve are unglamorous here. See, if you leave here and go serve somewhere else, they will sing praises to your name. They do. I dare you to watch it happen. Don't say nothing, but watch it happen all summer long. I bet if you got friends on Instagram, you got friends on Facebook somewhere, somebody you know or are connected to this summer is going to post somebody going on what they call a mission trip. Nothing wrong with it. 
but they're going to leave here and go somewhere else and serve. That's great. But if you start reading, they'll talk about how brave those kids are, how wonderful their sacrifice is. I'm so proud of the people, the people of God that are doing this. I'm so grateful that they took off work to do this. It's so amazing that they would serve like this. Can I tell you as somebody who has served feverishly for years and years and years here, it's unglamorous here. You, you, you may give all you can give to the point of exhaustion. Ain't nobody going to say nothing. Sometimes the people you serve ain't even going to be grateful. Some, sometimes you're going to serve consistently for weeks and weeks and weeks, months and months and months, years and years and years maybe. And it feels like nobody even notices. You're making a difference, but it feels like nobody even notices because nobody celebrates you. That's because opportunities to serve are unglamorous here. Because opportunities to serve here don't require you to make a big deal of it. That's okay. Opportunities to serve here don't require you to put on a fundraising campaign to go over there because it didn't cost you $4,500 to go across the street. But it did cost you $4,500 to go halfway around the world to do what you could do on your own street. See, I know this hits us here in our city because we are all very aware of the challenges in our city. The conflict, the, the, the difficulties in our communities. Whether you watch the news or not, whether you read the news or not, it is impossible to avoid what's happening with crime in our city. It's impossible to avoid what's happening with the, with the realities in the educational system in our school. It's impossible to, to recognize what's happening in the, in the collective conjecture about and around our city. And that's why, friend, I'm so passionate about us starting with where we are. Because Jesus said, start with where you are. Because there is need all around us and we must start with where we are. And too many of us are pointing the finger at the wrong people. Albert Einstein said it this way and it's so powerful. Albert Einstein, the scientist, Albert Einstein, the, the, the brilliant human being that we often think of as like E equals MC squared and all that kind of stuff. Listen to what he said. He said, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. You better preach, Einstein. -y. <laughs> like, the world will not be destroyed by people who do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. I ain't about to sit around and watch people do evil and just talk about how bad it is. Baby, I'm gonna roll up my sleeve, I'm gonna put on my I Love Summer shirt, and I'm gonna serve, and I'm gonna give, and I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna help, and I'm gonna build. I'm gonna start with where I am. See, Jesus told us to start right here in the neighborhood. And at Believing, we take that literally. Literally. That is why this summer, on summer, we are serving here. You want to serve your city this summer? We have opportunities. And they literally start, if you're watching this at church online, listen to this podcast this week, they start this Saturday. This Saturday, we're hosting our first Yellow House Serve Day. 
And at this Yellow House Serve Day, what we are doing is we are going to be painting and working on finishing up this house that our, the organization that we started, Yellow House, has purchased, has begun to work on, and is preparing for the first family led by a single mom to live in. And we're going to be able to have people out there serving, painting the inside, because we want to give quality affordable housing. Not just housing, not just here's a house you should be grateful, but quality. And so we're going to be inside painting and cleaning, doing gardening outside, working to make it the best place we can make it to serve. It's a way for you to serve. All summer long, we're going to have grocery drive throughs You can sign up to serve at a grocery drive through right now. And we're going to bless hundreds of families this summer in a time when people overlook serving in their own city. We are stepping up and serving in our own city. And we're going to continue serving groceries all summer long. We're going to continue providing free meals for kids all summer long. We're going to have neighborhood yard work days. Where we're able to roll up our sleeves and be a blessing to people who may not be able to take care of their own yard, may have some projects outside of their house that they need a little help with. We're going to step in and help. We're going to host a movie night here in a few weeks. And families and kids that maybe couldn't afford to go to a movie are going to get to come into our auditorium and have an incredible time with free popcorn and free movie. And there's opportunities for people to serve. If you ain't got kids, you don't like kids, you don't know any kids, there's opportunities for you to serve and be a blessing because we will start with where we are. There's also ways for you to start with where you are by serving on Sundays. Can I tell you all summer long, we're getting ready for August. Are we getting ready? We're getting prepared now. And so if you're not serving on a Sunday, an incredible way you could serve is by jumping in and getting involved serving in some capacity on a Sunday to start with where you are. Jesus said, don't begin by going to some far off place to convert unbelievers. Don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Start right here in the neighborhood. And then he said one more thing that I want to conclude our time together with. He told us this, and this is going to encourage some of you that don't feel like you have enough to do anything. Because Jesus said, start with what you got. He didn't just say start with where you are. He says, start with what you got. Friend, all that you have is all that you need. So start. Jesus said in what we read, you can look back at it, Matthew chapter 10. He said, don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. You have enough to do what Jesus wants you to start right now. You have enough. You have enough. Somebody in that chat type, I have enough. I have enough. I have enough. Start with what you got. You see, you have, you can write these down. You have enough Jesus to start sharing. I know sometimes you get overwhelmed about sharing what Jesus has done, is doing in you with others, but I came to encourage you today. You have enough Jesus in you to start sharing. If you zoom out a second in Matthew chapter 10, you will notice something that may be uh, missed if you just focus in on the text. The disciples that Jesus is sending out here in Matthew chapter 10 had not been his disciples for very long at the point that he is sending them out in Matthew chapter 10. In fact, if you back up just to Matthew chapter 9, you will actually find in Matthew chapter 9 the record of Jesus calling Matthew to be his disciple. 
Turn the page into Matthew chapter 10. Matthew is now one of the 12 that Jesus is sending out to go tell other people, to go do ministry in his name, to go be his ambassador, to go spread this good news. He's one of the ones he's telling them, don't begin by going to some far off place to convert unbelievers. I know you've only been with me for uh, like literally a chapter, Matthew, but don't begin by going to some far off place to convert unbelievers. Start right here in the neighborhood. Tell them the kingdom is here. Touch the untouchable. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Uh, do good to the people that are around you. You've been given generous so live generously. That encourages me. And that ought to encourage you, those of you who don't feel like you have enough Jesus to be able to do anything for Jesus. Hear me. You have enough Jesus to bring people with you to church. You do. Some of you only been coming for a few weeks. Maybe this is your first time. You're new to faith altogether. You're still exploring. Can I tell you, you have enough Jesus to bring somebody with you. You have enough Jesus to, to bring your husband who doesn't know God, to, to, to bring your best friend that ain't ever gone to church, to bring your co-worker who, who needs a community around them in a season like this. You have enough Jesus to bring others with you. You have enough Jesus to pray when there's a need in your presence. I'm always flattered and honored when people will reach out to us as a church, reach out to me personally, asking to pray for them. We take that seriously, and we do, and we pray for them. That's part of what we do when we gather for prayer. That's part of what we're going to do at our prayer nights this summer is we're going to pray for people, pray for people's needs, pray, pray for God to do what only God can do. And I take great uh, seriousness and responsibility in praying for that. But can I tell you, you have enough Jesus to pray for whatever need is coming up? The scriptures tell us that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. You can. You have enough Jesus to ask your heavenly father to step in and meet needs. You have enough Jesus to start sharing. You have enough Jesus to serve the opportunities that are right in front of you. Some of you may not feel qualified or capable of of the, the things that Jesus has called you to, baby. You have enough Jesus to serve the opportunity in front of you, to care for the people around you. You gotta start with what you got. See, not only do you have enough Jesus to start sharing, but you have enough time to start serving too. You gotta start with what you got. You know, serving isn't about busyness. Ultimately, it's about priorities. It's about priorities. There are some people that will hear this and say, oh, this is great for other people, but I'm too busy. Listen, I'm not saying that serving needs to be your number one priority in all things in life. But should serving God, should serving his church, should serving the people of your community be something that only gets your leftovers? This isn't about busyness. This is about priority. You have enough time to start serving. See, you're not too busy to serve. Your priorities are too out of whack to serve. And maybe the Holy Spirit is trying to wake you up this morning and remind you that you gotta start with what you got. And maybe you picture a day where all you'll do is serve, but right now you've only got a few hours here and a few hours there. Start with what you got. You have enough Jesus to start sharing and you have enough time to start serving. And hear me, you have enough money to start giving. Jesus said in what we've read for us to do some things. 
He, he said, I want you to touch people that other people won't touch. I want you to care for people other people won't care for. I want you to meet needs other people ain't meeting needs. You've been given generously, so live generously. A lot of us trick ourselves and tell ourselves, we'll wait till we have more to start giving. No, because you're always going to be chasing more and never start giving if you operate that way. Put God first. Give. You have enough money to start giving. Because if you will not start giving with what you got, you will never start giving when you have what you hope to have. You have to start with what you got. Start with what you got. Start putting God first. Start being generous right here. It, it about ticks me off that there are people who will give to support work on the other side of the planet that will not give to support work right in their own neighborhood. Jesus said, start right here in the neighborhood. Yes, support something on the other side of the world if you want to and if you can, but start here. Somebody in that chat type, start here. Because you have enough opportunity to start doing. Start with what you got. Get after it and get after it now. You're here. You're not listening, watching this sermon on accident. You're here on purpose. Be here for good. Let this summer be the summer where summer becomes so much greater because you decided to love summer all summer long. I hope you caught on and play on words. Let it be this summer, the summer that you believe that you have enough Jesus to share with people. Let this be the summer that you start to operate like you have enough time to start serving, like you have enough money to start giving, like you have enough opportunity to start doing. Do it, and I promise you, you will not recognize a community. You will not recognize a city if, if more and more and more people take this on. If it goes from being a few people who believe this way to a lot of people who believe this way, and it goes from being a lot of people to be this way to, to hundreds and thousands of people who believe and operate and live this way. But it starts with me and you. I'm naive enough to believe that. There's a quote I think about often by a woman named Margaret Mead, and she said, never believe that a few caring people can't change the world, for indeed that's all who ever have. I love summer is way more than a slogan, way more than a creative play on words, way more than a t-shirt that you'll get. But I pray that even as you get this t-shirt, if we mail it to you this week, you take it out of the package or you pick one up at some point and you see that thing and you put it on, let it be a uniform, not just a t-shirt. Let it be a uniform that you put on and realize I am stepping into what Jesus has called me to do. I'm to be here for good. I'm not going to begin by going to some far off place, but I'm going to start right here in the neighborhood. I ain't going to try to be dramatic. I ain't, I ain't going to try to go get my passport. I ain't, I ain't worried about, about trying, to, trying to chase a camera. I'm going to start with where I'm at, and I'm going to start with what I have. And I'm going to make a difference. Because like the back of these t-shirts say, we believe it's our joy, our privilege, to give the people God's called us to, not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because they become so dear to us. So I wanna invite you into that this summer. Make this the greatest summer 
ever. By leaning in, yes, with services. By leaning in, yes, to serving. By leaning in, yes, to community. By leaning in, yes, to making a difference. By leaning into what God has called you to hear. Because baby, you don't have to leave your street to change your world. You don't have to leave your street to change your world. Summer is calling, summer needs you, and this is your invitation to summer to make a difference because you declare, I love summer. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for your calling to all of us individually and your calling to us collectively. Father, I pray you give us collectively the strength, the grace, the resources, the tenacity to do everything you've called us to do. Father, I pray for your people individually that you would help them to push past their preconceived ideas, to push past their own preferences and to live out what it means to love summer, to live out what it means to be about your work right here for the honor of your great name. Father, I pray that you would be delighted in us, proud of us, as we take your words literally and start right here in our neighborhood. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. And everybody said, amen.